Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Ministry Matters podcast. My name is Rowan, and along with my wife, Jill, we serve as the lead pastors of a three-small-location multi-site church, C3 Camden, Picton, and Thoreau in southwestern Sydney and the Illawarra. On this podcast, Jill and I discuss all matters ministry and share some of the things we've learned and are still learning along the way in our 30-plus years of pastoral ministry experience. our particular hope that this podcast will be of help to small church pastors and their teams and encourage you to continue to minister effectively to the wonderful people that God has entrusted into your care. The views that we express on this podcast are our own and not necessarily those of the church or denomination that we're a part of. We'd love to hear from you if you have any feedback, any comments or suggestions on any topics you'd like us to discuss in future episodes. To find out more about us or our church, check out the show notes for links to all the relevant socials and websites. So without any further ado, let's get into today's conversation. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Ministry Matters. I'm sitting down with Jill. How are you going, babe? I'm going well. How about good. you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. This is our last one we're recording today. So yeah, we just ate the most enormous burgers we've ever had in our whole lives. Yeah. For lunch. Those are listening a few weeks ago, we said we were <laughs> going to go out and get some groceries. We're recording these on uh, on the long weekend, holiday weekend. <laughs> went and everywhere was shut. And we ended we're trying up with, to find somewhere to get a uh, coffee. All the cafes were shutting. We decided we wanted food as well. And they and were she's saying, she, We were talking in the previous episode about how you'd seen a naturopath. I'm not sure what you just ate classed as <laughs> naturopathy friendly. Yeah. It was right. basically the biggest All things chicken, in moderation. chicken. There was no moderation in that, babe. That was huge. <laughs> that was the biggest bread roll with the biggest schnitzel I've ever seen, I think. Uh, tasted right. good, but it was hard work getting through the whole thing. I we, think don't we, actually, I think, we don't actually go out. And uh, eat together very often. Not so. like that. We did. We sit down and have eggs on toast or something from time to time. But yeah, it was funny. It actually took us back. We were saying it took us back to our fir- the first lockdown in 2020, and we mm. used to go out and get a chicken burger at the local shop, and then sit, sit in, the, in the, car. the car and eat it. That was it. So it was a bit mm. like that today. Spilled wasn't it? beetroot all down our front. Yeah, that was it. So it was back to <laughs> lockdown. Lockdown dates. It was kind of, wasn't <laughs> it? So anyway, we're back. We've got to do one more this afternoon and then uh, then we'll have the rest of our holiday Monday off. <laughs> anyway, all good. We're going to continue with uh, <coughs> excuse me, the series we sort of kicked off, the mini-series we kicked off last session where we were talking about this whole three-stranded approach that Pastor Lars Halverson uh, inspired us about, the National Director of C3 Australia, where he was talking to us about uh, the scripture in uh, Philippians 2.25 commending Epaphroditus and saying how Paul saying Epaphroditus was a, a brother, mm. a co-worker and a co- or a fellow worker and a co-soldier or something to that effect, uh, depending on the version that you have. And Lars was speaking to us about how all three of those uh, characteristics are not only important for Epaphroditus but are actually fundamental to a healthy church. We need to have a church that has mm. uh, that has a family feel to it. That's the brotherly aspect, the brotherly sisterly aspect, the familial kind of feel. We need to be all working together in a field 
That's what we're going to talk about in this episode. And we actually are soldiers, as other metaphors in the scriptures say as well, that we are part of God's army. Like I'm too young to march in the infantry, <laughs> ride in the cavalry, shoot the artillery. I'm too young to fly over land and sea, but I'm in the Lord's army. Do you yeah. remember that one? Yes, I yes, do. Yes, you but do. I think it's, it's yeah, thinking about the idea that we um, we, we are at, at war and there is, there, is, there, are, there is a war. There is, yes. We have to be mindful of we that. We have to be mindful to of that. Be uh, like soldiers, or we have to be soldiers. Yeah, and like soldiers would be on the front line, we uh, we have to be united in vision, and we have to know what we're doing. We have to be. We can be different, but we we can't all be like, oh no, I'm going to have my opinion here. We have to kind of come together in that moment as as, as soldiers and say, you know, this is the, the battle's a serious thing, the war's a serious thing. We're going to have strategy. We're going to know what we're about, and we're going to go and uh, be front footed in. In uh, waging, you know, that'll preach that war. That that's next week's session. That's next week. That's next week's session. But that's so <laughs> true. Yeah, we're all heading in the same direction, or mm. we're not going to be very effective as an army. That's right. So in this session, you know, if you haven't listened to last session, go back and listen to the previous episode. We talked about how to cultivate and how important it is to have a family community. Uh, loving feel in the church, and so we kind of spoke to you know if maybe if that's something you haven't got in your team, your people, your group that you're leading, mm. the how important that is and how you can perhaps cultivate some of that. And then in this episode, we're going to kind of talk to maybe uh, the other aspect of, of working in a field, of, of being co-workers together. And we explain how, you know, sometimes you can get a, a group of people together and they've got an incredibly great family feel, but they really don't understand that there's work to do. And it's just a, it's more like a club where we just hang out and enjoy one another. Yeah. And last week we talked about how you know, if you don't have the family and you're just doing the work or you're just doing the fighting and there's no there's no kind of camaraderie and community, then it can just become hard work mm, and it becomes drudgery and dry and driven and all that kind of stuff. Mm. So today we're going to, I guess we're going to talk to how do we lead people to a revelation? Let's let's assume, for instance, that maybe it's a, it's your church or your community and you've got a you've got a good family feel, you've got a, a good a kind of community vibe there, but but if you're honest. You might do, be doing that well, but there's not a, a great buy-in to the fact that we're living for something bigger than ourselves. So let's talk to that and maybe we'll come out with some some ideas and some tips that could help you as a leader to be able to initiate that without it becoming driven. And how do we how do we inspire people to to serve, basically? How do we inspire them to become part of uh, part of what God has called them to do, work in the field? Yes, yeah, so we've been talking about having a culture uh, around servanthood. Mm. And uh, I think you you have to know the biblical basis for that, and uh, when you know that, then you, you're not just putting the heavy on people. It's not just putting a heavy on yourself or on people about serving and doing an action, and it, that can get heavy. But if you know that it's God's intent, and you know that there's biblical backing for that, then uh, you know there come there's a joy and a freedom in it. I think. So we're going to read out uh, the scripture in what is it? Colossians three twenty three and twenty four and twenty four. I read this at church yesterday. Work willingly at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward, and that the Master you you are serving is Christ. I think that is the why. Um, knowing that when we work, if we work willingly at what we do, if we keep that heart motive that it's as if we were working for the Lord. Rather than for one another, it's you know it's a noble thing to work for one another. But if at the end of the day, if we know what we're doing is for the Lord, then uh, that will keep us mm. in good stead because 
what we whether whether we see a reward this side of heaven or not, there is a reward, and he sees, and he's pleased when we work willingly at whatever we do. So I think if we have that perspective, as you know, what whether whether anyone knows or sees what I do, even if it's the most mundane thing, even if it's as the, as the Bible talks about for the least of these, uh, for the the, you know, it talks about giving giving a cup of water to the least. Yep, yep. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is yep. doing. Don't you know? D- don't show off your good deeds. Jesus said before men to receive men's praises. Uh, that kind of concept, definitely. Thinking about that scripture, I mean, this is the scripture that that Margaret Foister dem- d- discipled us on as a young Christian. Our, our our first pastor, she you know, she said, "Do as unto the Lord. Mm. Everything you do as unto the Lord." And I think we've talked about this on a previous episode, but it was really I'm grateful that we had that. Uh, cultural value discipled into us as young Christians. I, I don't think it's ever been something that I've had to fight with. I've always just maybe to the other detriment where we haven't probably, uh, you know, made been visible enough, but we've always had that idea of, well, we're just doing this for God and if no one else sees it, we're doing it for an audience of one, aren't we? That's right. We learned the story of Brother Lawrence years ago. Mm. Remember that story? Yep. Um, yep. In the, the practi- kitchen. The practice of the presence of God. Yeah, great book. Uh, about, you know, his, I don't know what, what he, he was. was a, he was a historic monk. monk. Oh, yeah, in the Middle Ages. Yeah. yeah really about uh, him learning to practice the presence of God even though he worked in a kitchen and what he saw, what he did was largely unseen and thankless. Mm. Uh, he learned about. A bit like working on the sound desk, really. <laughs> unseen and thankless, unless something goes wrong. Yeah. Shout out to all our sound desk folk out there. <laughs> yep, that's right. Um, it is true though, isn't it? It's behind the scenes, but you're doing it as unto the Lord for that audience of one. Mm. And, and if we can get that in us, and sadly, I think there's been times when as leaders, that hasn't been discipled. Leaders haven't been discipled into that well. There was a period of time in culture, I think, where where kind of leadership may have been put on this pedestal as though when, you've, when you're leading, you've arrived. We've yeah. kind of talked about that a little bit in terms of the generational previous episodes we've done around generational stuff. But I think what that can do is it can lead to this sense of entitlement mm-hmm. rather than getting the revelation that leadership's hard. Leadership is going to be and oftentimes will be a thankless job this side of heaven. You know, it's, it's you and Jesus really. Won't, it, it's Beautiful and it's, I love it when I receive thanks and I see being, receive encouragement or emails or text messages. It's it's priceless. But if we're living for that, we'll be sadly disappointed because there's always going to be things that will let us down. So if we're going to be a people who lead others into a revelation of working in the field, I think it starts with us getting a revelation that we do what we do as leaders, not for the thanks of our pastor, not for the thanks of our leader, not for the thanks of the people we serve. We do it out of... Uh, gratefulness that Christ has already loved us. And if we, yeah. can, if we can get that why in us, it'll make it easier then to unashamedly call other people to serve. Mm. I think I think in an era where there's been a, a lot of talk around how leaders haven't been served but have been, sorry, leaders have been served, not be servants, mm. the opposite of the upside-down kingdom, I think it's important that if you're a leader, get that settled in your own heart that you came to serve, not to be served just like mm. Jesus. Yeah, you mentioned the upside down kingdom. I was just thinking as well that, it, you know, it, it's a kingdom and we are, the Bible says we're kings and priests and we're sons and daughters of God and, you know, and we, we could think that uh, serving and having roles could be, you know, would be, if we compare it to a, a natural kingdom, it, it would be hierarchical and that the more you do, that the more honour you receive, the more reward than the higher you go. But but the kingdom that we're in is an upside-down kingdom. And I think, you know, these some of these verses we've been, we've been talking about, about uh, demonstrate that, don't they? they? You know, that they show us that, that 
Jesus is saying that, um, you know, until it gives the parable of, you know, whatever you did for the least of these you did for me. And it's not things like, you know, it's not high esteem things. It's when you visited someone who was in prison mm-hmm. and uh, when you went and, you know, and, and did something for the poor. Yeah. Whatever you did for the least of these you did for me. And there's this idea in the upside down kingdom that is completely different to a normal kingdom. We're not doing it for accolades. We're not doing it for accolades, and and you well, know, Paul says we're doing it for a, a crown in yeah, heaven that cannot yeah, be spoiled. So yeah. yes, that's right. We're not looking for anything other than the well done, good and faithful servant. Yeah, thinking of that song, I see the crown through the suffering. Yeah, I see the joy that forms my strength. And that, that's important when when we're talking about serving and working in a field. I mean, the very nature of working in a field, mm. if you, to use that metaphor, mm-hmm. it can be hot, it can be cold, it can be hard work digging up the soil. Uh, so we're, it's not like we're promising that serving the Lord is always going to be easy or comfortable or convenient, is it? Uh, it, it can it can be challenging. It can be mm. wearying. Mm. I'm, I'm thinking of Paul saying in Galatians 6 verse 9, do not grow weary in doing good because in due time you'll reap a harvest if you do not quit. And he's talking to a people there who were finding it hard. They were finding mm. it wearying. And I think that's a good lesson to learn just because you're weary if you're, if you're a leader at, and also for the people that you're, you're calling to servanthood and calling to lay down their lives and work in the field, uh, just because a person's weary is not an excuse not to serve. Mm. I think there's a different mindset. We need to get back to the why and help people to see you're actually working. Yes, it's work, mm. but it's working for something of eternal consequence. Yeah. So don't give up. It might not look like That's you're right. getting anywhere well, right God's now. God's the God of the harvest, isn't he? He's, yes. He's, he's going to bring the harvest. So we, but we have to be, we have to do our part and uh, be responsible and be out there in the field and be doing the work. And uh, he's responsible for the mm. harvest. So we can't, we can't force his hand. We can't, we can't make things happen, but we have to keep going, keep serving uh, because we are made to be workers. We are called to be workers. We are called in the field. to work. And, uh, you know, it says in, in due time or in Kairos time, in God's appointed time, you'll reap a harvest. So it's not our responsibility to work out when the harvest comes. We are just called to to work. And, and I think we, I believe we are all made. It's in our, it's inherent in humanity. It's in our DNA that we're created to work. We're mm-hmm. created to have something to do. We see that in the Garden of Eden, don't we? There's this you know, having having something, having you know something, something to do. We're not and, supposed and to. And in the kingdom to come as well. And it's in the, the kingdom same. to come. Yep. So, people, you know, as much as it's lovely to lay back in a you know deck chair on a next to a pool and relax, you know, <laughs> no. If we were doing that all the time, if life was just all about recreation, I, I could, and I could handle. I reckon I could do a couple of months before <laughs> I start to get too. I could do two or three months. I'd be able to do twelve months, if, I reckon, if I'm honest. But anyway, beyond if, that, I'll probably uh, no. Nah, it's probably not. I couldn't do that. But ultimately, ultimately, I think there's a frustration in not uh, not being productive. Yes, that's right. And I think we are made to work. And you even see that, you know, we're actually that there's a there's an appreciation for, uh, you know, even from a secular perspective, which I think is inherent as well, that volunteering. Even people, this is not just in it's the It's good church. for mental health, isn't it? People people volunteer because they want to do something for a good cause. They yep. want to get behind a good cause. They want to be useful. They want to align themselves with something that is helping others or that is doing something, you know, that they perceive to be a benefit. And then there's, you know, philanthropists that, that, that give and that um, financially contribute towards a good cause. It's not only just a Christian thing, 
there's something in our humanity that that needs to and it is good for us to uh, be in the field. We say it's it's like we're wired to live for something bigger than ourselves. Mm, and I think when purpose. we... It's purpose, isn't it? It's the whole Rick Warren purpose-driven life thing. I think there's something in the way God has wired us that, yeah, while it's important and it's nice to care for ourselves and not and joking about taking holidays, I'm all for that. I don't think I would handle 12 months. I could handle a couple of months probably and I'd be ready to go again. But there is something in the way God has wired us, which is you have a job and you're most fulfilled mm-hmm. when you are giving up your life. Jesus says, if you really, you really want to find life, you'll give up life. That's not just a pitch talk from, that's not just a, yeah. a, a pitch from Jesus to get you to that's be right. a slave. It's it's a genuine promise that your truest, fullest, most successful life will become when you put, when we put down our own desires and live for something bigger than ourselves, mm. pick up our cross, which talks once again of work and sacrifice, but that's, that's the upside down kingdom again. Yeah. And there's the uh, Isaiah 58 scripture of talking about being a well-watered garden and that, that's a promise. Oh, I haven't got it in front of me right now, but you know, it's the goes, whole fasting goes scripture. right through. This is not the fast I've. Is this, this is not the fast I've chosen. But he's talking to. He's talking know, to people who were doing through religious, religious people, but people who actually, were doing all the work and the activity, and he's saying that's not what I've, that's not what it's about. Actually, what it's about is this. But then he gives them. Then he talks about a whole lot of other activity, but it's around uh, serving the poor. Yep. It's around caring, caring for, for the others. vulnerable. It's around caring for others, not just about doing religious activity. And then he says, you know, and there's a lot of things to do in that. There's a lot of when a you lot do of working this, in the field. When you do this, this is all talking about the field. But then he says, you'll be, and and you will be like a well watered garden. You will be refreshed. You will be. You'll do well. You know, living waters are going to flow from us, and many will come and drink. So, the idea, you know, we could think, or oh, the more I do, because this is this this can be true. Sometimes the more active we are. And we've talked about rest and and and, and Sabbath and on another episode, and so we have to have uh, we have to have all this. This know. isn't about uh, drivenness. This no, is we have about to have all this in context. Of work. Yep. But I think you know the 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 thing is it's it, it's it is good for us, and God God's not going to cause us to run out and run dry. He know he you know he he says if you do all these things you'll be like a well watered garden. There's a whole lot of things we can, we can declare and stand on in those scriptures about, you know, that we're actually going to be better off. Be we're, we're going to benefit. Yes. We don't do it to be benefic- to be for our personal benefit. But when we are doing these things, we're going to, we're going to benefit. Because mm-hmm. there's, re- there's a reward. It talks back in, talks in that scripture uh, we read at the beginning about a reward. There are rewards for us. And uh, part of that reward, I, I love that we, you know, the, the scripture says you're, my burden, um, my burden, you know, my, my yoke, yoke is, is easy, easy, my burden is light. So it's about, I think it's about going, well, I, I want to um, be aligned with the will of God. So when I get that and when that's right, then the yoke, the, the, you know, the yoke which is about carrying the, the weight and responsibility of the load, that will be uh, that will be good for me. That will be the right weight for me. It won't be too heavy. It won't weigh me down but it'll be good for me. Mm, that's a great point. And the thing about working in God's field is that uh, he's the senior partner. Mm. You know, to use that no- yoke analogy and, and stretch it forward metaphorically, it, I love what I love about that analogy is when Jesus is saying my yoke is easy uh, in Matthew there, it's not that we, the picture we often get is that, oh, we've got a head in the yoke and <clears throat> Jesus is the farmer who's plowing behind us. But but the 
the, the language is written in such a way that implies that Jesus' head is actually in the yoke beside us. He's the other oxen, if you like, in the yoke. So, yes, there's work to be done. But if we've got ourselves, like you said, if we're doing what Jesus has called us to do, and there is work involved in that, but we really do get largely a free ride. Like if, we, if we've got a head in the right yoke, Jesus will carry the lion's share of the work. Yeah. And it does become a joy. I mean, imagine yourself being side by side with Jesus, digging, digging up the field and finding Jesus doing most of the digging. And I think that's you see the supernatural come in mm. where, oh, wow, I, I've done this bit of work, but the fruitfulness that's come out of my harvest is so much bigger than what I could have accomplished mm. because I've got my head with Jesus and, and, and side by side we're all. He, he partners with us. He meets with he us. He partners with And, you know, not, and I've found this so many times when I've gone, you know, gone into a situation and I feel like I'm, I'm ill-equipped. I feel like I don't have what it takes. I feel like no matter how much I've prepared for that moment, I might just think, oh, you know, I, I feel like I'm a lackey. Mm. But I trust, I trust God and I trust the anointing and I find that he, he turns up and he works in and through me because it's not about me. It's only about me doing my part and being in the field and being ready and willing, ready and willing and able and then he'll, you know, this is sort of changing tack slightly into more to thinking about preaching and thinking about ministering and praying for people or those sort of situations where well, that's all working in the field too. That's right. Yeah, that 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 side of of ministry, and I find that you know I might have I might be unwell or I might have just had a phone call about something that's going on that always happens just before you're about to to minister, and I just have to you know have to be have to say got to trust you i'm leaning into your anointing and this has to be you great and uh, and he and he's amazing comes through yep and uh i you know i'll surprise myself and and people will say you know i've had people that i've i've mentioned to afterwards that i trust you know that uh, that you know that you know if, if they've said look you know we were praying for you or whatever i've told them you know actually went into that a bit challenged today, they'll, you know, they'll be like, oh, look, honestly, I would not have known. Yeah. Because you because Jesus, anointing. Your head was in Jesus' yoke and he was carrying you. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. Well, as we wrap it up, I'm thinking that, you know, if you're trying to lead your team and, and get inspire people with building some of this why, yeah, building culture around this, some of what we shared there, maybe feel free to pinch that and use that around those scriptures because it is about building the why. I think that's the key. If you don't have the why behind the work, it just becomes work. So people getting that bigger picture. First of all, like we said at the start of this episode, we've got to have that ourselves as leaders. We've got to understand that, that we get we have we serve for an audience of one, not for the accolades of men and women. But then once we get that in ourselves, it's a bit it's a little bit to me, it's a little bit like uh, what I say about being generous. I can preach generosity because I know we're generous. Mm. Otherwise it it's fake. But if, if I've got it in me and I'm living it, then, I can, uh, then I'm comfortable to share it. So if you're not comfortable, check your own heart and go, hey, uh, am I living up? Are my motives right? Am I living? And if you, if you honestly are, if you're honestly living for something bigger than yourself, then back yourself and, and call people to it. Say, hey, th- this is what's good for you. We'll often say things like, you know, you, d- you can come here and never give anything. You can come here and never serve. Mm-hmm. However, we will unashamedly call you to it because not because we need you, the kingdom does is set up that way Mm. but we actually genuinely believe that you serving is the best thing for you and it is good even if you are time poor it's a whole upside down kingdom thing find the right yoke and find jesus yoke and serve you'll actually have more time it's a a stewardship principle you know you mentioned tithing we talked we've talked in previous episodes about 
the whole concept of trusting God during to go to the feasts. Really, it's the same thing, isn't it? it it's mm-hmm. do I trust God enough that even when I'm if I'm giving my ten percent or I'm giving my ten percent of my time, you know, or I'm giving a few hours a week of my time that I might not think I have or that I could use somewhere else. My head will always go, oh, I could use that time for something else. But it's actually a reliant attitude that says, well, I'm trusting that God is going to more than make up for this because I'm giving this time in this in this context, my skills, my talents or whatever, mm. to God. Um, so as we, as we wrap it up, one other kind of thought that I think is worth drilling into a little bit, we're talking about family, we're talking about field, this one next week we'll talk about you know, the whole concept of spiritual fight that we're in. But let's assume we talk to people who are part of a church community. Maybe you're in a connect group or whatever, and you've got an incredible sense of family. But if you're honest, it really is just that. It, people, people are in family, but they're not, uh, they're not working. They don't really see the importance of serving. And I, I was reflecting on that and thinking, Lord, how do we inspire people? It's great that we have family. I don't think it's no point in doing everything else until we have that. Otherwise, it's just hard work. But it is possible for people to get to family and think, oh, I'm comfortable now. I've got my mm. friends. I've got my family. I've got my community. I'm comfortable. How do we inspire them to the next level? And, and I was looking for a metaphor uh, just before we were recording. And, and I, I, thought about, I thought about it in the, the sense of how if, we've just, if it's only ever our family in the house, mm. you know, if, our ki- if it's always just us and our kids, there's certain things in the house that we'll let go. Mm. You know, I spent this morning, I vacuumed up all our cat's fur upstairs. Didn't need to because it was just you and I. In one sense, it gets to a point where it drives me crazy because he's a long-haired cat. But in reality, if I've got guests coming over, mm. if I'm ex- anticipating that I'm going to have guests, we are going to clean up. For those that are watching on YouTube, you know, we've got our kitchen area behind us here. We cleaned that up because we knew that you'd be watching on YouTube, but it doesn't look like that all the time. Um, but if it was only we family. added some bananas in an avocado. Oh, yeah, you have added some bananas in between episodes. <laughs> this is true. They weren't there before. Um, so, you know, if it was only ever us and if you guys out there watching on YouTube, it was just family, we'd just go, oh, don't worry about it. This is, mm. you know, and I'm, I think the problem with that attitude is if it's only family, then we're not thinking about the fact that part of our work is to create a space, create an environment where guests are welcome, mm. where guests feel like they're, we're expecting them. And I think I've, I've seen this at times with a deep sense of family where we just go, oh, it doesn't really matter. We all know each other. We're not anticipating anything. It doesn't really matter about the, the mess on the floor. It doesn't matter about whether we've got the bench clean and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And it actually undermines, doesn't, doesn't affect the family feel, mm. but it undermines the field, doesn't it? It, un, it actually, it's a lack of awareness about the yeah. fact that we are working in a field to reach people for Jesus. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what are yeah, your thoughts on that? I think it that? relates into the mission, doesn't it? We, If we're, we're all family and we're just enjoying the family vibes, maybe, you know, because maybe we can, we, we can, and we can, and that's wonderful. We can enjoy, oh, we've got Jesus and isn't he wonderful and isn't he awesome? But he's made us for mission. Yes. So we haven't mentioned the word mission, but I guess in field there it's would be mission. mission. Yep. And we have to know that actually... All this, all of this. Jesus came and he, he gave up his life. He died on the cross, and that, that it's it's more it's for more than just us. Yes. So we have to know, in everything, the why is when we talked about the why of what we do is for him. That's because we want to please him. But he, he'll be saying, "Well, but I actually died for a reason, guys. Come on, bigger than I came you. for a reason bigger than you. It's good that you're enjoying yourself, and it's good that you, you know, it's good that you, you get that, but." 
get the mission, get the get the vision for what what your place in the kingdom is. It's always going to be about others. It's always going to be about inviting others in. It's always going to be about the Great Commission. It's always going to be about there's a whole world out there that net doesn't doesn't know Jesus and and what and you know so that's why that's the part of the got got what I think needs to be uh, part of the culture. Yeah, definitely. This. So you like you could even sit down and watch this, you know, play this episode with your key team of people, or you could just pinch it and not reference us. We don't care, but you know, have these reiterate these values and some simple things we've done over time is like in a you know in in our church service setting, whether that's in a set up pack up arrangement or in a permanent arrangement, it's good to just take a walk through the building from the car park to the seat and back, and actually look around and go and and see it, your service mm-hmm. through the eyes of someone who doesn't know anything isn't it yeah because family we go oh yeah we we don't we often don't see the mess i'm not i'm not just even talking about physical mess it can be that but i'm actually talking barriers about those sometimes. barriers those hindrances because we know our way around so we don't think we we don't realize that if we were to look at it from a perspective of someone who walks in the door same with a website same with social media if we were to think about we genuinely are expecting that this is a harvest field. We are called, Jesus says, the, the harvest is white. Yeah, we Send want to make it workers. as easy as possible for people. Yeah, exactly. For people to find us, for people to get to know us. We're always got to be thinking about the outsiders. Yeah. And that shouldn't, one. and I know if you're a small church pastor, you're going, oh, it's just something else I have to do. <laughs> I, I think the thing is it's it's not just incumbent on us. It's, it's helping to invite a few close-knit people into that and help them to get the why behind it too. We're expecting what do we have to do to, to so that when new people walk in the door of our church or when new people come to our mm. connect group or whatever, how are they going to experience this family? Because an inclusive family will invite others in. Yeah, we don't want to be going, you know, some, we all we know what it's like when we're the new person or something and you go into a situation and people have got their in, in their own lang- their own lingo. Yes. Their own uh, their own language and you th- it feels terrible. Mm. I f- you know, you can feel like such an outsider when mm. you're sitting there and you're thinking they're all talking about something and I don't I don't get the – I'm not talking about someone from a different nationality. I'm just talking about in, inside it's language. Subculture. Within subculture. A, yeah. And uh, I've, I've noticed that sometimes in church. I've noticed in our own church. I thought we've gotten so familiar with how we talk that we're talking yeah. so in-house, you know, and I, and I have to wait – I have to – <laughs> you, know, you do rein it to, in at times. I have to rein it in. I'm Some, and sometimes and I do it you myself. Get, yeah, sometimes we'll get pushback. Oh, that's just that's just our family feel. And and we and we would say yes. However, the family feel is great. But if the family feel is always insular, then we we're, we're doing family well, but we're not doing feel well. Mm. And so that's that's the thing is okay. Let's let's go tick the box on family. We don't really need to keep putting a whole lot into that. We can probably dial that down a bit for the sake of the field. Okay, we're thinking about this differently now. We're thinking about people who aren't part of this family. How do we make them feel like they're part of the family? Yeah. I mean, many years ago, I remember Mark Connor talking about this at a conference I heard back in way back in 2000, Pastor Mark Connor, and he was he was saying mm. you have a little skit on stage with a bunch of people and they were all chatting with each other. It was like a mock-up of what was happening after church. Everyone's patting each other on the back and everything and mm. he was turning to the crowd and he was saying, look, are they a friendly church? And everyone was saying yes. Then he brought someone else up on stage who was standing outside the circle and he said to this person, are they a friendly church? And this person said no and it was because they weren't included in the family. So having close-knit family is great but if it's not if we're not thinking about it from the perspective of or we're called to add more people to our family then we're not having a field mentality we're having a an insular exclusive family mm-hmm. feel rather than an outward inclusive family feel and so 
you know, have those conversations with your team. Work yeah. on it. Yeah, People definitely. who are doing it well or who have this passion, who have already got it in them, get them to share about it, get mm. them to talk about it. It's always better coming from the floor than coming from the pastors. Absolutely. You know, we can do, we can we could talk to the cows, come home about this stuff because we live it. Mm. We love it and it's our passion. It's obvious it's our yeah. passion because we're pastors. Yeah. We're in the ministry. <laughs> but uh, if people, there's people who are, you know, doing other things, they're, they've got other vocations, they've got other stuff going on in their life, but they're saying, oh, I'm passionate about this too. Mm. That speaks volumes. I was having this conversation with someone in that just recently who does that naturally, but I was helping them to say, okay, you're doing it naturally. Now what you could do is you just don't have to focus on it. You can now go and rather than you getting tied up with everybody, you can start to intentionalize and bring other people into conversations and help mm. them, a bit like we were talking about in the last episode around having meals together and so mm. on. You can actually help others to build family. A lot of people don't know how to make the initial contact with someone. They don't know what to say. But if you're naturally wired that way or you've got people on your team who are, yeah, showcase that and then specifically say, hey, can I, would you mind teaching others to do what you do? Yeah. Would you mind being the the instigator of relationships? Once the, once the wall is broken down, the ice is broken, often, most people are more often than not able to create that family feel. Most people stay to themselves and their own group, not because they're unfriendly, but because they don't know what to say. Isn't that right? Mm. I think oftentimes it's like, oh, it's just easier to stay to myself than yeah. talk to someone I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it's easier, more comfortable. Yeah, so there's there's some definitely some practical tips you could have with your teams around this. And, you know, if, you talk, if you're a small group lead listening to this, have this conversation because you can build your connect group through people inviting this people. This is along. how we will build and this is how we'll grow. Definitely. We have to. We have to do this. We have to there's, focus there's on an, this. This is how Jesus called us to go out and make disciples. Yeah. It's... It's through one-on-one relationships. Most people come to church through being invited by someone and being made to feel welcome. Mm. Most people stay in church families when they make a certain number of friends beyond just yeah. the people who've brought them. So Yeah, and getting active in serving. Yeah, and so, that's right. It's serving. It's, it's, it's feeling like you're a part of something. Mm. So quickly taking that up and going, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to serve. Yeah. That's, that's exactly right, babe. That's good. All righty. Well, let's finish up there. All right then, everyone. We will See you next leave time. that one and we'll talk to you next time about uh, fighting the good fight, yeah. part three of this mini-series. Talk to you then. See you soon. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Ministry Matters podcast. Hey, if this podcast has been an encouragement to you or you think it could be to others, we'd be so grateful if you'd share it with your friends on the socials. So before you head back into your day, if you could take a moment to like our Facebook and Instagram pages and share them with your friends, that would be awesome. You can find us by searching at Ministry Matters Podcast, all one word. And one last thing that just helps the podcast algorithm to work for us. We'd really appreciate it if you could take a minute to rate and review our podcast. Be sure to click that follow button wherever you listen to your podcast so every new episode will be loaded straight to your device. And for those of you watching on YouTube, be sure to hit that subscribe button and ring the bell so you know when a new episode drops. All the links you need are in the show notes. So thanks so much for being with us today and we look forward to talking to you in the next episode.